0: My name is Sue Mbaya, governance expert, leader in my community, an African woman, a mother, a wife, also a woman with an experience with menopause. Menopause is a complex and multifaceted biological phenomenon, which affects every single woman of advancing years. For each of these women, the menopause process has far-reaching emotional, physiological, psychological, and sociological consequences. In just a few years, in 2030, the number of women experiencing menopause will have reached a staggering 1.2 billion. Each year after that, an additional 47 million women will enter the menopause transition. And yet, menopause is rarely spoken of, its mutually reinforcing and debilitating consequences are barely acknowledged, minimal attention and resources, if any, are mobilized to prepare for it. In response, Pause for Menopause is intended to inform, prepare, empower, encourage women of all ages and men through my personal journey with an inquiry into menopause. I recorded this podcast for networking and information purposes only. The content which I share is general and should not be taken as medical advice or categoric instruction. New information comes to light every day and no two situations are the same. It is therefore important that you consult a qualified health professional on any matters regarding your health and before acting on any opinion which I express on this podcast. Most women in the post-menopause phase talk about suddenly realizing one day that they're not as energetic as they used to be. A key culprit in this is sleep disturbance. Sleep is a critical aspect of your well-being. It is time to take charge of your sleep life during menopause. Welcome to Pause for Menopause, Episode 4 Sleep Disturbances. I cannot tell you how excited I am to record this episode. I don't know a single woman who has gone through menopause who does not have a problem with sleep disturbance. So, how does sleep work anyway? So, we all live according to what is known as the circadian rhythm. This is essentially an internal clock in the hypothalamus which controls how your body function changes throughout the day. This includes your awareness, your metabolism, your sleep-wake cycle, and many other functions. The master clock in your hypothalamus keeps track of time by cues such as light and darkness, physical activity, mealtime schedules, and so on. Hormones, like cortisone, keep the rest of your body synchronized with the master clock. Isn't the body simply amazing? Sleep is determined primarily by melatonin and adenosine. During the day, sunlight prevents the production of melatonin. While all this is happening, the level of adenosine slowly builds up. As it gets dark towards the end of the day, melatonin levels go up, And enough adenosine accumulates in your brain that you get sleepy. Fun fact. Did you know that caffeine keeps you awake because it blocks adenosine receptors? Hmm. Now you know. Sleep disorders have become a really significant public health problem. Studies show that there is a strong correlation between sleep disorders and chronic diseases. Maintaining a consistent circadian rhythm is essential for general health. Inconsistent eating and sleeping patterns can throw off your circadian rhythm and increase your risk of developing a number of diseases. Likewise, not getting enough quality sleep can affect your physical and mental well-being. Now take note, I talked about getting enough quality sleep. That means there are two different factors here, the amount of sleep and the quality of sleep. So why are we talking about circadian rhythm on a podcast about menopause? Well, as it turns out, sex hormone cycles affect sleep patterns. Hormone fluctuations during a woman's menstrual cycle and menopause can affect sleep patterns. This can lead to increased insomnia, and frequent waking during the sleep cycle. But before we talk about the dysfunction around sleep during peri- and postmenopause, let's remind ourselves about the normal pattern of sleep. I'm sure that you have seen or heard doctors or researchers saying that the average adult needs seven to nine hours of sleep. (laughs) And all the ladies in the house said, what? Who can afford that? My point exactly. Most women don't have the luxury of getting nine hours of sleep. What with professional, domestic, care duties, just multiple, multiple demands on our time. But anyway, let me not get triggered by that. There's obviously a bit of variation. For one person, it's six hours that they need. For another, it's nine hours. And of course, you can also need a little bit more sleep than your normal amount under certain circumstances. In the same way, you may need to manage with a little less sleep when you're going through a particular season, right? But as we all know, a few consecutive nights of not enough sleep can really affect the quality of your functionality during the day. In fact, Research has shown that if you get only six hours of quality sleep per night, your mental performance is worse than if you were drunk. This explains the fogginess that many women speak about during the process of menopause. So how much sleep is enough anyway? I like this definition which I heard somewhere. It said, the right amount of sleep, is the amount you need to wake up feeling refreshed in the morning. In other words, do you? I really like that definition. So with this understanding of how sleep works, let's look at sleep disturbance during menopause. Sleep disturbance is one of the most common challenges associated with peri- and post-menopause stages. The statistic which is commonly cited is that something like 80% of women who are going through these stages experience sleep disturbances. For me personally, this was probably the most intrusive and destabilizing symptom. I'll tell you more about that in a second. But let me start by saying this. Anyone who has known me for more than five minutes has heard me say this. I do everything fast. The only thing that I do slowly is sleeping. This was a cute little thing which I used to say to people to prepare them for the fact that I have an unusually high pace of transacting. In fact, somebody close to me said this Sue's switch only has two speeds, maximum and off, nothing in between. (laughs) I hope you're getting the picture. The point is, This was the context of my encounter with sleep disturbance during my menopause journey. Over a period of two years, I found that my rhythm, my pace and demeanor changed as a result of sleep deprivation. Now, remember my mantra has always been that the only thing that I do slowly is sleeping? Well, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Falling asleep became a real problem. I tried all kinds of tricks, counting backwards from 100, listening to meditation recordings, sleep music, noise for the night time, white noise, you name it, I tried it all. Very few of them were effective in helping me to fall asleep quickly. On many nights, it would take me over an hour for me to fall asleep. And I actually had a few nights when it took me two or three hours even to fall asleep. My mind would literally jump from issue to issue, from project to project, from problem to problem. Same with waking up. I've always woken up at a regular time for whatever season I'm in. In fact, you could set your alarm clock by my waking time. When I did set an alarm, it would wake me up instantly at the first beep. All of this changed. I gradually found that I needed an alarm clock to wake me up more often. And with time, I even did the unthinkable. I would snooze for that extra 10 or 15 minutes after the alarm. I went from waking up with a spring in my step and a hunger for the day to waking up feeling groggy, struggling to get out of bed. Like that wasn't bad enough. On days when I didn't need to get up early, I would find myself waking up early without an alarm clock. Like many other women, I didn't just struggle with falling asleep and waking up. During the night, I would also experience disturbances. Yes, <laughs> the 1,000 red hot daggers. And in case you haven't listened to the podcast on hot flashes, that's my name for hot flushes. But that's not all. The multiple trips to the toilet. I remember one particular week, I went to the bathroom four times a night for most of that week. After this, I came up with a plan. I mean, you have to innovate, right? You can't just keep doing the same thing. So I found a way of minimizing the interruptions to my sleep because I was waking up for two reasons. First of all, because of the thousand red-hot daggers and also because I needed to go to the bathroom. So, I came up with this plan. Whenever I was woken up by the thousand red-hot daggers, I would go to the toilet as well. Efficient, right? I literally cut in half the number of times that I was needing to wake up. I feel quite proud of myself for that innovation. And then, of course, there were nights when I would find myself wide awake in the middle of the night. What's that all about? Well, it turns out that insomnia is a common challenge in peri- and post along with a whole host of other challenges like restless leg syndrome, sleep apnea, and a bunch of other things. This is because during these stages, women begin to deposit fat differently in their bodies. A woman's pattern of depositing fat becomes very similar to a man's pattern. And in the other episodes of this podcast, I have said that we start to shift weight from our hips and our bums where we like the weight to be and it moves to our belly area just like a man deposits his fat. Anyway, this new distribution of fat in a woman's body means that she is more likely to develop obstructive sleep apnea. Another reason for waking up in the middle of the night. In addition, if you are menopausal or perimenopausal, lack of sleep will primarily be caused by your changing hormone levels. If it continues, the research shows that poor sleep has a cumulative effect leading to a long list of health concerns. Now, promise me that you won't fall asleep as I go through this list. Reduced attention, alertness, concentration, and reasoning capacity. More viral bacterial infections. I mean, your immune system doesn't function really well without enough sleep, right? Impaired memory. Very interesting that memory consolidation is said to happen during sleep. I didn't know that. Aged skin. You see, fine lines, saggy, drooping and blotchy skin can be made worse by lack of sleep. Increased belly fat. Why increased belly fat? Because of not enough sleep? Well, it's because of changes in appetite hormones, ghrelin and leptin. Ghrelin is the hunger hormone. It stimulates appetite and also promotes depositing of fat. During menopause, ghrelin levels go up. Leptin, on the other hand, is the hormone which tells your brain when you are full so that you know it's time to stop eating. Well, guess what happens during menopause? Leptin levels drop. Ah, uh, It's a setup. It's almost as though everything conspires against a woman's figure during menopause. So what are the health concerns? Anxiety and depression, hypertension or high blood pressure, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, and other chronic health issues, lost sex drive. Uh (laughs) Aha, look at you. I got your attention with that one, didn't I? Well, I mean, it really shouldn't be a surprise that a woman who has failed to get a good night's sleep in weeks doesn't feel sexy and doesn't feel like she's ready to have some fun. So let's have a look at why this happens and how we can minimize the discomfort that is caused by sleep disturbance. But let me say this up front. Researchers are not unanimous about the primary causes of menopausal sleep disturbances, but there are some culprits that are implicated in all of this. Guess who? Hormones. I'll just say a little bit about some of these hormones. The first one is progesterone. Progesterone, plays a big role in pregnancy. We know that. But progesterone is also a sleep-inducing hormone. Well, progesterone levels also decrease during menopause. That can trigger a number of changes in your lifestyle, including your sleep habits. What about cortisol? We keep hearing about this cortisol. It is just in the middle of so many of the issues that women go through during menopause. Well, In normal amounts, cortisol is actually healthy and beneficial. In a healthy adult, cortisol concentrations shoot up within 30 minutes of your waking up in the morning. This is called the cortisol awakening response. Cortisol then diminishes throughout the day with the lowest concentrations being reached in the evening. Cortisol keeps us motivated and helps us to stay awake during the day. Without cortisol, we would have a tough time to stay alert and constantly aware of our surroundings during the day. But the problem comes when cortisol is consistently elevated. That's when we experience some negative consequences, including sleep disorders, anxiety, fertility problems, hormonal imbalances, and yes, weight gain. There is another cortisol aspect to sleep disturbance. In a perfect world, cortisol would be in sync with the sleep hormone melatonin. Each hormone counterbalances the other in a precise rhythm. When cortisol is high, melatonin is low. When melatonin is high, cortisol is low. That's in a perfect world. This makes sense because the two hormones are antagonistic. In other words, they have opposite effects from each other. But here's a problem. Melatonin levels tend to fall with age and they are particularly lower in menopausal women. That means that swing which should happen to increase melatonin levels and therefore rejuvenating sleep doesn't happen as well. And yet, on the other hand, Cortisol continues to do its thing, pushing wakefulness. So, do you see how again and again our sleep is doomed during menopause? Estrogen is also implicated in our sleep life. I had no idea of this, but estrogen helps to regulate the spike of cortisol when we experience it in the morning. So, when estrogen declines during menopause transition, Cortisol levels can rise earlier in the morning. That's why some women end up waking up early, early in the morning. I mean, I've experienced a little bit of this myself, but nothing like the 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. waking up time, which I've heard some women talking about. Earlier on, we talked about the lower estrogen levels causing body fat to move to the stomach area. Well, this increases the chance of women having snoring and sleep apnea as well. Changes in oestrogen also mean that the body temperature is less stable and there may be increases in adrenaline levels during the night, which will also affect your sleep. There's yet another aspect to the relationship between oestrogen and sleep. There is what is called a, a complex relationship between depression Oestrogen and insomnia. There are two ways that this connection plays out. I think this is absolutely fascinating. First, there is the domino effect. When oestrogen declines, you can experience changes in vaginal tissue which messes with your sex life. That'll depress anybody, right? This is just one change. There are many other changes which can also affect you emotionally, leading to depression. And depression can cause insomnia the domino effect. You get it? Alternatively, sleep changes can happen first because of estrogen-related thousand red-hot daggers, those hot flashes, during the night. This can then ultimately lead to sleep deprivation, which can, in turn, cause depression. And this was my personal experience. Those thousand red-hot daggers just kept coming. They kept coming. They kept coming. In the end, I was so sleep-deprived and ended up in a mild depression. If this keeps happening, you may even feel apprehensive or anxious about sleep, making the whole cycle even worse. I've heard of women who actually dread bedtime because they're so worried about whether or not they're actually going to be able to fall asleep. So a question comes to mind. Which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Is it the estrogen decline or the depression which comes first? Well, studies show that women with a history of depression are more susceptible to insomnia during menopause. So this means you really need to look after your mental health early on before menopause because things only get worse during menopause. So having said all this, I'm sure you're now asking the question, how can I get a good night's sleep? (laughs) I'm happy to share with you some practices which have worked for me. Here we go. Restrict the time you spend in bed. (laughs) What? Yes. While it is important to keep regular hours, I mean, it's really good to have a regular bedtime, right? But one of the worst things that you can do is to force yourself to get into bed before you are ready and then spend hours tossing and turning or staring at the ceiling. Go to bed when you are ready to sleep. Otherwise, your body will subconsciously associate the bed with a place where it doesn't sleep. Now, what I'm not saying is that you should keep watching TV or keep hacking away at your laptop keyboard until the sleep arrives, because it probably won't arrive. What I'm saying is that you have to be more deliberate about the structure of your day. Gradually taper down the stimulants, the stress-inducing activities as you go towards bedtime. In other words, you deliberately prepare yourself for sleep. So that was the first point about restricting the time that you spend in bed and limiting the time you spend in bed to actually sleeping. The next point is that you should try to maintain a regular circadian rhythm. This is really, really important. I've seen a couple of articles which actually say that you should keep a regular sleep schedule throughout the week. Now, many of you are not going to like what I'm going to say now, but please remember, it's not me saying this, it's those wonderful scientists of ours. There is a little bit of logic to it. I've read that you shouldn't sleep more than one hour extra on weekends. and Because if you do that, you throw off your sleep schedule. But seriously though, I found this to be true for myself. I found that I was doing best when I kept regular sleep hours supported by a regular sleep hygiene practice. So on weekends, even though I kept the same sleep hours, the quality of sleep was better because of slightly reduced levels of stress and improved focus on the sleep hygiene practice. So, think about that. The other point that I want to share with you is this issue of good sleep hygiene. Let me talk to the younger women for a moment. These recommendations which I'm about to give apply to you too. It's never too early to start practicing good sleep hygiene consider starting early before you are set in your bad nighttime habits. This is really, really important. So what does good sleep hygiene look like? Well, for me, uh, this is what I found. It's really important to spend less time on electronic entertainment after dinner time. Read a book. And call it a day before midnight, rather than watching TV series all the way until 2 o'clock in the morning. Reduce the light in the room as much as possible. Dim it down as much as you can. Bright light will mess up your sleep-inducing hormones. Take a hot shower, followed by stretching and breathing exercises before you get into bed. Use the time to reflect on your day and repeat those self-affirmations if you have them. Drop off all the distress of the day before you get into bed. If you must use your electronic device in these last few hours before bed, then enable the setting which reduces the intensity of blue light on your screen. Well, that brings us to the end of this Pause for Menopause episode on sleep disturbance. Who would have ever thought that sleep is such a complex endeavour? We can summarize it all like this. Sleep is about how you fall asleep, the quality of sleep, the length of sleep, and how you wake up. And all of this ultimately affects how you feel when you wake up after your sleep. In addition, all these aspects of your sleep life are affected by a wide range of factors. I hope this episode has empowered you with the information that you need to take charge of your sleep life during the stages of menopause. Thank you for pausing for menopause.